Hello, and welcome to a special series of Podcast 360. I'm your moderator, Amanda Balby. In this six-part series, we will be talking to Dr. Jeffrey Tabus, who is a professor of emergency medicine at the University of California, San Francisco's School of Medicine, an emergency medicine physician at Zuckerberg San Francisco General Emergency Department, the Director of Faculty Development for the Department of Emergency Medicine, and the Director of Outcomes and Innovations for the UCSF Office of Continuing Medical Education. He recently presented a session on atrial fibrillation at the American College of Emergency Physicians 2021 Scientific Assembly. In part four of this podcast series, he talks about cardioversion for patients presenting with atrial fibrillation in the emergency department. Let's listen in as he answers our questions. The third challenge you talked about during your session was about cardioversion in the emergency department for patients with immediate onset AFib. What can you tell us about that? That's typically classified as symptoms that developed within 48 hours. So if they can tell you, I have felt like this for less than 48 hours, there's a strong push to cardiovert those patients. What I do is I explore the benefits and the drawbacks of doing so. So again, I give a young case, a 28 year old athlete comes in who had four hours of palpitations says, my heart started beating fast and irregularly after heavy exercise and having a few beers. Their EKG is in atrial fibrillation. A lot of people would cardiovert that patient back into normal sinus rhythm. So the benefits of cardioverting that patient is that you can avoid blood thinners because the risk of atrial fibrillation causing strokes really increases after the first 12 hours, but, but markedly after the first 48 hours. And after 48 hours, we don't cardiovert people without giving them blood thinners first, unless it's an emergency. The other benefits is you get them back into sinus rhythm. So you don't need you know any of your treatments for atrial fibrillation. You don't need to keep them on chronic rate control. And then they've shown that you can discharge them out of the emergency department, that you use less resources. Some of the questions are, is it safe? So do we cardiovert these patients and then cause them to stroke? And there's pretty good evidence that it's safe to do this from the emergency department if their symptoms are less than 48 hours. So that's assuming they know when they developed atrial fibrillation. So a lot of people come in and they are unaware that they're in atrial fibrillation. That would not be the patient to cardiovert in the emergency department. There's several studies that are observational of patients that they cardioverted. There's a, a big study out of Maine that looked at 887 patients that was published this year, and only one had a stroke. There was a big study of a thousand, more than a thousand patients, 1,100 patients in Canada that was published in 2017, and only one of those patients had a stroke. There was a uh, study that was published out of Europe in 2019 that looked at 218 patients, and only one had a stroke. So it looks like you know the rate of stroke is 
probably somewhere between one in 500 and one in a thousand for doing this, which, which many people would consider safe. It's not high risk. Many places either get an echo to look at the heart and make sure there's not a big dilated atrium or evidence of a clot there. There's something else that you have to be careful of recommending because it's not studied robustly, but something that I consider is to check a D-dimer. D-dimer shows if there's clot in the blood system, and we use it to assess for pulmonary embolism. There's pretty good evidence that it can assess for aortic dissection, and I think that there's some evidence that it can assess for a left atrial thrombus, which is what puts you at risk to throw a stroke when you're cardioverting someone. So there've been several studies, not large, but that have looked at D-dimer. And if it's negative, when they look with an echo, do those patients have clot in their atrium? There's been, you know, maybe several hundred patients, you know, 150, 200 patients that they looked at and they found that it's fairly sensitive, 95% sensitive, which is about the same sensitivity that D-dimer is for pulmonary embolism or aortic dissection. And the range is 90 to 98% sensitive. So you have to take the lower end as what you're willing to accept. So you know, roughly 90% sensitive for left atrial thrombus in a patient who's low risk to start because you know they're less than 48 hours. I think that really puts you in a safe category. The studies that have looked at the safety haven't done that. You know, this is just another tool that you could use if you wanted to lower your risk even more. So that's one thought. I think it's also important to look at whether converting those patients actually saves them from anticoagulation in the long run. And it's interesting because we have just talked about how current guidelines say if you have risk factors, meaning hypertension or you're over 65, anything other than lone AFib, you should be anticoagulated, even if it's just occasional AFib. So your patient who comes in with occasional, you know, AFib once that you cardiovert out, it's not clear that you're, you're saving them anticoagulation because they should be anticoagulated probably long-term if they have definitely two risk factors, because this is not the only time, or at least you should monitor them for ongoing AFib with like for 30 days or with your smartwatch to see if they go back into atrial fibrillation, because they should be anticoagulated. The thought used to be that you could avoid three weeks of anticoagulation before cardioversion and four weeks afterwards for recent onset, but it's not so clear. Actually, the European guidelines recommend, you know, giving everyone a shot of anticoagulation before you cardiovert them, even if they're low risk. And then if they have a TADS2 VAS score of greater than one, so they're anything other than low fib, they they recommend cardioverdium for four weeks and then reassessing whether they need it for lifetime. So it's not clear that you avoid that much anticoagulation by cardioverdium in the ED, but how about the fact that you get them back into sinus rhythm? Well, I, I actually think that that's not so clear either. And you do get them back into sinus rhythm. You definitely do. Actually, 
the Canadian group has, you know, published their results of uh, 1,100 patients who had recent onset AFib, and they were successful in, in, you know, converting at least 80% of their patients. And other studies have shown 90 to 95% get converted into sinus rhythm. But when you look, and, and people have not done this study, when you look at just not converting them, 60% convert back into sinus rhythm. So now we're talking about trying to convert 100 people who come in with recent onset atrial fibrillation. You'll be 90% successful if you cardiovert them, but you'll be 60% successful if you do nothing. My mentor taught me, don't just do something, stand there. Because a lot of the times we intervene and patients are not better off. That is cute. So, you know, some of the literature that supports this, a meta-analysis, so you can't, I, I have not found studies that specifically look at this, but a meta-analysis of 18 randomized controlled trials of amiodarone compared to placebo. Placebo had the 60% conversion rate. So that's where I came up with that roughly 60%. And there's some other literature that supports it. Um, there was a recent study in the New England Journal great, great study, 2019, that looked at immediate versus delayed cardioversion for these acute onset patients. So they looked at uh, almost 500 patients in the ED. They found that they converted uh, 78% versus 28% who had delayed cardioversion. So basically, they converted their patients acutely, and the patients who had delayed cardioversion, if you look at them at four weeks, it was the same rate we're in sinus rhythm. So like, like delaying the cardioversion doesn't hurt. And actually, if you look at, at patients in one year who have been cardioverted in the ED versus not, who came in with acute onset, because these are the patients who flip back out of atrial fibrillation. It looks like the same rate might be in atrial fibrillation at one year. Not that different. So it's not clear. You're definitely getting way more back into sinus rhythm. So you feel good. Like the patient came in, they needed your help. You gave them your help and they're now back to normal. It's great, but it's not clear that it really changes things at four weeks or definitely at one year when a lot of them, you know, maybe... 30% are back in chronic AFib, whether you converted them in the emergency department or not. So should you do it? Well, ultimately, there's no right answer. One, it depends how symptomatic they are. So someone who's really symptomatic, you might err towards converting them out. And you might give them more chance to see their doctor without you know, feeling terrible. Uh, follow up, decide whether they want to have ablation therapy to get them you know, back into sinus rhythm or things like that. But it's not clear that it keeps them in sinus rhythm better. It's not clear that it avoids anticoagulation because we know that just intermittent atrial fibrillation still has a high rate of stroke. And if they have a, a non-low CHADS2 vest where they probably should be anticoagulated, you should probably use shared decision-making and talk about the benefits of cardioversion versus just controlling their rate and having them follow up. 
And again, they will love you if you're their doctor and you convert them into sinus rhythm and they feel great, but it's not clear how much benefit that's having. That's my take home point for cardioversion in the ED for acute onset or recent onset atrial fibrillation. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. And for our listeners, stay tuned for the subsequent parts of the series.